welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. How's it going? Oh my gosh, so good to see you. I'm just going to stand here and look at you all for a while. My name's Micah. And I think I'm still the pastor at Awaken West 7th, so that's good. That's good. Um, if you are new, uh, I've just returned from three months uh, sabbatical experience with my family, and this is our first Sunday back, so um, so good to be here. So good to see you all. Yeah. You made it. You made it. You're all still here. That's so great. I feel like I've been asked to, you know, hypothetically share, uh, you know, sum up three months of my life in 30 minutes. That's actually not hypothetical. That's exactly what I've been asked to do. Um, so here's what I want to try to do this morning. I want to just give a little bit of, uh, you know, little slideshow highlights from some of our trip and our family time uh, away. And then um, I want to answer one question and then leave you with one thought. So hopefully pretty simple. Uh, lots of pictures, lots of slides. And so we'll just jump right in. Um, with, with some highlights from our experience. The first of which is, some of you know, um, I've, I've gone through some of this, but I feel like some of you are like, so what did you do? And I'm like, dude, we sent you letters. I told you like four times, but it's cool, right? So the first of which, Hadley, my oldest daughter, and I went on a, a pilgrimage on the Camino, which is in northern Spain. And this was the, our last day on the Camino. Like we walked right along those cliffs and that was kind of the end of our, our Camino walking experience. And so this next picture is Hadley and I sort of like at the end of the road, um, which was just incredible. Uh, I, I've, I don't know that I've ever been more proud of uh, my 14-year-old. Like when you see your kids do something hard and they do it with class and dignity um, as a parent, you just kind of like stand up straight and you say like, yeah, that's mine. And then when they don't do something with class and dignity, you're like, who taught them that? Uh, one, one day, you guys will get a kick out of this. We're walking, really, really difficult day. We had huge elevation gain. We both have like 20 pound packs. And so we go up, 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 up for like a mile straight. We get to the top and then it's kind of this like long journey down into this meadow. And somehow we got on some, um, you know, deep conversation about existential realities and like the, the ground of being, you know, this is my, this is my wheelhouse, you know. Somebody put a quarter in me and so I just start going and I start talking about like why all of the reasons that I think Jesus is really the, like answers a lot of questions and I think kind of the best explanation for like all of the big questions about life and, and Hadley's kind of walking along and I can tell she's sort of patronizing me, you know, just like putting up with dad and she gets this smile on her face and I'm kind of like, this is not funny, like why are you laughing? And she said, I had a bet. <laughs> and I'm like, a bet? What do you mean a bet? She's like, I had a bet with myself about how long it would take for you to prophesy to me. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, it's funny that, do you mean like preach at you? And she's like, oh yeah, that. So funny that she said I prophesied to her, uh, but even more so that she had a bet with herself as to how long it would take before I would do that. So I guess you can't take the pastor out of the pastor. Um, but we ended that portion of our trip in New York City, and uh, we stopped uh, at the top of the World Trade Center. And if you've never been up there, I don't usually pay for like the $40 tourist traps, but that one's kind of worth it. So if you've never done it, highly recommend it. 
Um, never been, she'd never been to Manhattan, so that was very cool. Um, when we came back, we made our way to the West Coast as a family, a little road trip. We stopped at a number of different places along the way, but one of them was Vashon Island outside of Seattle, Washington. And we stayed with the former president of our denomination, Glenn Palmberg, and his wife. And it was just fantastic. My youngest was like, when we were leaving, she goes, Dad, when you said we were staying with two old retired people, I thought it was going to be really, really boring, but they were awesome. So Glenn and his wife, they've still got it. And if I had a dollar for every time I was asked, can we have ice cream, we could do the whole trip again. <laughs> so this is the, the Witham girls at their happiest with ice cream. So if you ever want to make them happy, buy them ice cream. Um, but that was on Vashon Island, so that was really cool. From there, we kind of made our way down to uh, the Redwoods through like the Oregon coast. And if you've never been to the Redwoods before, this is my first time. I, no words, no words to describe. Like, that's Dahlia, my 11-year-old, on top of like a fallen root ball of a tree. Like you can see her, she's a little speck at the top. And it was just unbelievable. I stood there, in, uh, someone encouraged me on this trip to pay attention to the places where, um, uh, how would they even describe it, where sort of uh, the rawness of nature is sort of right up against each other and you see it for all of its beauty and its glory. And I stood in the redwoods just crying, like I had no words to explain what I saw and was just overwhelmed with awe and beauty and wonder at this place. So if you, if you ever get a chance, I highly recommend that. Um, so after we got to LA, we made our way to Australia. And so we spent about a month in Australia. Laura's sister and brother-in-law lived there, and so uh, they were gracious enough to host us for multiple days. But this is one of my favorite pictures of, uh, we, we just explored Sydney, like took the metro transit, you know, like uh, the bus which was fantastic. I hadn't done that since I was in high school. Um, and we're sitting, we got to tour this beautiful, amazing, amazing cathedral. And this is my kids out in front of it. And then this is my kids after I asked, what did you think of that? <laughs> a picture is worth a thousand words. And I don't know if this is declarative about the trajectory of their lives in any way, shape, or form. But uh, Lyndon is my favorite in that picture. Dad, can we have some ice cream? Um, so we spent some time in Sydney, we went up the coast of Australia uh, to Brisbane and some beaches up there and one day in particular, just a picture perfect day, this is, this Laura and I, was, you know, falling in love all over again. Uh, one of those days that you just can't, you, you can't even draw it up. Uh, perfect idyllic weather, uh, kids surfed, we bodyboarded, we laid in the shade because that's what redheads do on the beach. It was awesome. <laughs> um, and then uh, unexpected gifts all along the way. Like we were driving home that day and um, we hadn't planned on watching the sunset, but the kids were like, Dad, look at the sunset. And then Laura was like, go up to the top of the hill. And in this little town, there was this lookout. And I'm just careening through neighborhoods, trying not to hit people. Take a left, take a right, take a right. And we had no idea where we're going, but we ended up at the top of this hill and we saw this sunset, like the most beautiful sunset of the entire trip totally unplanned, completely uh, like spur of the moment, just like gift, here it is for you. Uh, so we watched the end of that in Noosa. And then um, speaking of sunsets, we, 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 we stayed on an island for a couple of days and there was this beach, it was called Sunset Beach, and so we would go there at night and drink wine and watch the sunset and just got a couple of pics that, um, you know, sort of sneaky pics I call them. Like you don't know they're going to be meaningful, but then when you, when you see them, you're like, that, that's us. Uh, that was one of them, and then this one, right? 
It's grown up right in front of our faces. <laughs> oh, so much fun. We came back from Australia to LA and then we sort of road tripped our way back through Colorado and we spent a week in, in Vail with some of our dearest friends, uh, Becky and Rick Patton and Steve and Mary Weens and their boys and uh, did all kinds of fun things. in Colorado. <laughs> so a number of people have asked me, that's the, that's the end of the slideshow, there it is. That, that was our trip basically, it was tons of fun and um, I'll, I'll say this, um, when you get to do something like that, uh, it marks you, it changes you, um, it, you, you, you can't be the same as when you left and um, like, people don't get into this work so that they can take trips around the world with their family. Um, and lots of pastors never have the opportunity to do that. And um, you as a church, many of you gave sacrificially to help send us on this trip because you love us. And um, thank you just doesn't even get it. But thank you. Thank you for who you are and who you've been to us and my family and the gift that we received from you. Um, it really means a lot, so thank you. A bunch of people have asked me this question since I've been back, and it's a question that comes with great anticipation. Like they come, you know, people ask this question and it's sort of, it's a lean in kind of a question. But I've been having a really hard time with it because I'm not totally sure if the whole question is being asked. The question is like, what did you hear? Right? Which seems like a really simple question, right? What did you hear while you were away? Um, but if you add like one small qualifier, it just changes the whole trajectory of the question. And I'm not sure if, if, if it's being asked, what did you hear or what did you hear for Awaken? Or what did you hear as our pastor? And um, when you add that small little piece at the end, it really changes the question. But what I want to do this morning is share a little bit of, uh, if I may, the answer to that first question, which is, what did I hear? Said differently, um, Micah, what did God say to your soul? Like, what did you hear? Because, truth be told, I don't have a lot of answers to the second question. I don't know how you came here this morning and if you were hoping to like, you know, like Micah's been to the mountain and he's coming back with a vision and here we go. I'm sorry, but that's not, what I, that's not what's happening today. But I feel like I did hear and I feel like God did say some things to my soul and I think that those things will inform me as I lead and as I pastor and as I come back and as we together Remember what it means to be a community together and what it means to journey together. And so I want to just try to maybe fill in some color on that question of what did I hear or what did God say to my soul. So three stories, uh, the first of which is on the Camino. And uh, it was a day where Hadley and I, uh, it started with Pringles because Pringles, according to all of the maps and all of the books, is the best snack for Americans to have while walking on the Camino in Spain. So we found Pringles in this store and we bought them. Uh, it, it included a day where blisters uh, on Hadley's feet. So I was, I was pack mule dad um, for like a mile and a half. I had my pack on the front and hers on the, or on the back and hers on the front. And I think that may have been the best part of the trail for Hadley. 
I think it may have been her highlight. It was like not having to carry her pack for a mile and a half. And then it, as we were coming down this hill into this valley to this sort of iconic albergue hostel where we stayed, there were um, like a whole bunch of giant cows. And if you've never been close to cows, they are really, really, really big animals, like alarmingly large. And there, there, there's this guardrail around this corner, and there's like 30 cows lined up, like pretty little maids all in a row, standing with their necks like out over the guardrail. And they're just like waiting for us. Like we're talking down, and all 30 heads of these cows are literally like standing there just waiting for us. And as we got closer, each one would kind of take a few steps back. We passed all the cows. We said hello to them, tried to pet them, but they didn't have any of that. We come down into this valley, and it was one of those days where um, it was like nothing was happening, and yet everything was happening. Like, I could hear everything. I could hear the sounds of the birds. I could hear the wind, like, rustling through the grasses. I could hear the sound of our feet on the pavement. It was like nothing, nothing extraordinary was going on, and yet, like, the universe was just humming all around us. And for whatever reason, we were listening to a playlist, and Tides of Winter um, was on that playlist, which is Christmas music. So we're walking the Camino in, like, June, and listening to Christmas music uh, as we did. And one song in particular came on. It's called Emmanuel. And this song, um, it's beautiful. And then it ends with this really, like, weird kind of vibey, ethereal, like, strings and coming in and out. And so we're walking along, and nothing is happening, but everything is happening. And it's like, you know how people have experiences, and they, they don't know how to, like, de- describe them? Like, words just can't get to what you feel on the inside. People say, like, I felt like I was one with the universe, or I felt like total unity, or I felt like God was present. Like, those are the kinds of moments that people describe when this happens. And so here we are walking, and nothing is happening, but everything is happening. And like, this soundtrack is playing and it just like flooded me. And I just stopped. And Hadley stopped. And she's kind of trying to figure out like, I think dad's having a moment here, but I'm not really sure what to do with that. So she just stood there We just were. Nothing was asked of us. Nobody said anything. And I just sensed God, as much as one can hear God, just remind me that it is it is well and all will be well. Like whatever anxiety, whatever struggle, whatever I'd carried into that experience up to that moment, like God met me in Hadley on a road in the middle of nowhere just to say, I've been here all along. I've had it, I have it, and I will have it. And it is well. And all will be well. And I don't know about you, but for me, that was a gift. Like, life is hard enough 
right? With the things that we carry and the things that we hold and that we struggle through trying to find answers for and to just be met in the quietness of a field to hear the divine remind me, it's going to be okay. All is well. The second thing I sensed and that I felt like I heard was, I had a similar experience to that first one, actually, in the Redwoods. We took, I took the girls out to the, go to the bathroom one night in the middle of the forest, like lions and mountain lions and bears, literally, like, all around. At least that's what they said. We didn't see any. And I'm, like, walking out there, you know, in my half-dressed, and the kids are trying to find, it's a, off the grid, so it's totally dark. We go to the bathroom, and we come outside, and I look up. Like, I've, I've been to the Boundary Waters. I've seen the Northern Lights. But like, never in, in my life have I ever seen a sky like that. And the kids came out of the bathroom, and I was like, girls, look up. And so here two of my daughters are, and we're just standing under this just unbelievable. Like, you can't describe the beauty. And we just stood there. It is well, and all will be well, Micah. The second thing I felt like I heard on this trip was very much connected to um, a practice that I've tried to implement in my life. I've talked about before. It's called imaginative prayer. So if you've never heard of this before, it's the idea that when we pray and we, we, we want to like talk to or hear from God, it's helpful to engage our imagination, to actually visualize like what we might be saying or where we might be when we're saying it or what God might look like, sound like, feel like. And so in our mind, in my mind, imagine like meeting with God. And so I've had this place that I meet with God over the last four to five years. When I, uh, when I first heard, actually Greg Boyd preached a series on this and um, kind of a highlight for me, like one of my heroes and mentors comes and like stands on this stage and like fills the shoes that I've been filling. That's bizarre. But he preached this sermon series about imaginative prayer. And so I started practicing this and trying to do this in my life. And the place where I have met God over the last five years since I've been doing this is this little bend in a river on the frying pan river in Colorado. Now, if you know me well enough and you've been around long enough, I've told a story about in college, I had five days to go fishing by myself, which to a kid who grew up in Minnesota who just can't get enough of fishing, this is like kid in a candy store, right? It's like a free ticket to uh, a shopping spree. So I'm super excited to go to this, this river. I go to the frying pan. I'm fishing this world-renowned hatch. Trout eat bugs. These bugs are giant. It's just like fish in a barrel, literally. It's amazing. So I go there to fish this spot, and I get there, and I'm standing in the frying pan river. I'm like 20, 19 years old, and I have five days to fish this all by myself, and I'm standing there in the river, and I realize that I am totally alone, and I am like overwhelmed by fear. So, so much so that I packed up my tent and I literally, I went home because I couldn't be alone with myself. So when I said to God, hey, I want to meet you somewhere and I'm you know, imagining in my head, the place that God invites me to is the Frying Pan River, this little bend in the river where I had one afternoon and I took a nap in this grove of pine trees. And so for the last five years, I've met the divine, in this place. So I ended my sabbatical going back to that place. I felt like I had something to do. I felt like I had some, like, that pilgrimage is about sometimes going back as much as it is to go forward. And so this picture 
So I go, I go back to this place with like huge expectations about like God's going to do something amazing and I'm praying before like God, if, I mean, if you want to do something extravagant, if you want to like, you know, say something audibly or, or send an angel or I mean anything, I'm open, I'm ready, right? Like here I am, Hineni. I go there and for three days I fish on this river and I can't find it. Like, I'm looking up and down the river as I'm fishing, and I'm like, where was this spot? Like, where is it? And I just cannot find it for the life of me. I mean, to say I was disappointed is a total understatement. I'm, like, going back to this river to find this place, and I cannot find it. And I'm like, did I imagine this? Like, is this not real? Did I just make this up? So I'm leaving. The morning I'm leaving the frying pan, I pack up my camp and I'm driving out, and of course, you know what's about to happen, right? I'm, I'm driving down, like, a mountain canyon. I'm pulling a trailer, which is a whole nother sermon series that I built. There's no place to turn around in these roads, and I'm driving, and then I see it. Like, out of the corner of my eye, I see it, and I'm driving, and I'm like, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that was it. And I, I just keep going, right? And I slow down, and the guy behind me is like, move it or lose it, buddy. Go back to Minnesota. And so I'm like, I think I have to go back. So I find a spot a mile down the road to turn around. I turn around and I come back and I get out and I'm standing on the side of the river and I'm looking across and I'm like, that's it. Like right where the pine trees sort of open up. The day I was there was a day where the sun was kind of shining through the trees and it sort of illuminated it like a, like a cathedral. And this is the place where I, I talk with God. And I'm standing on the riverbank, and I'm looking across at this place where I feel like I, or not I feel, where I have met with God in my mind, and I recounted all of the things that I've heard God say to me, and all of the things that have been whispered in my soul, and what welled up in me was gratitude. And what I heard God say was, Micah, I have been faithful the whole time. All along, through whatever That's going to really bother me. Through everything, your greatest fear in planting this church was that you would step out and that I wouldn't be there. And as I stood there on the river, what I heard was, I've been faithful. I've been faithful. I've always been faithful. The last thing that I sensed and I feel like I heard was, after leaving, uh, I packed up my, my camp on that morning of being at, at this campsite. And this, this picture is a, a sort of overlooking the cam- uh, from like where I camped. So if you want to throw that next one up, Sean. Like, can't make it up. I'm pack- I've, I've, stay- I've spent three days and three nights in this place and I'm not dead yet. In fact, I'm quite alive. And I packed up, and as I was leaving, it was about 6 in the morning, and as I'm leaving the campsite, I look in my rearview mirror and I see this trailer, which again, does all kinds of things in me. But what I remembered was a moment, eight and a half, nine years ago, where we were thinking about a church, and we were thinking about starting a church, and what it might look like to do that. And I took four days, uh, a silent retreat in, on Malax, the, the eastern shore of Malax. And I said to God, when I got there, like, you have four days to speak or forever hold your peace. Like, do you want me to do this or not? You got four days. Go. I don't know if I'd recommend doing that. 
But I sat and I listened and I read and I listened and I read and I journaled and I found myself on a, on a shore, on the shore one afternoon looking out on Mille Lacs. It's fall, There's, the trees are beautiful in color, it's, the lake is totally glass and I just poured out my heart and I said, God, do you want me to do this? Uh, and what I heard was actually, what do you want? And I said, I want to do something I've never done. I want to step out in faith. I want to live from a place that requires trust and radical trust and desperate trust that if you aren't in the midst of this, the whole thing will fail. And God said, well, I will be with you. And that was the beginning. That was Geronimo, like we're going to plant a church. So I packed up all my things that day and I got in my truck, which was towing my boat. And for whatever reason, you have moments in your life that are snapshots that you just remember and I can see in my rearview mirror my boat and the road behind me. And what I heard that day from God was, you have everything you need and I will be with you. And as I left this campsite in Colorado, after spending three days there at a place that I couldn't be 20 years ago because I was afraid of being alone, I look in my rearview mirror and that's the moment that I remembered. And what I heard was the same thing. Micah, you have everything you need and I will be with you. So the one, two books I read while I was gone, but one of them was The Alchemist. And I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's the hero's journey, and he travels and travels and travels and gets all the way around and finally comes back to where he began. And the sort of moral of the story is that he had what he needed all along, which I find a little bit ironic, that what I've heard as I've come back from this sabbatical and what I sensed God say to me was, it is well and all will be well. I have been faithful and will be faithful to you. And you have everything you need, and I will be with you. All of the things that I heard when we started this church. I want to leave you with one thought this morning. When I was in college, I had a professor uh, who taught Philosophy 101. His name was David Williams. Somebody gave him a car one time. He was a uh, like a, a Cadillac, gave him a Cadillac, and he told the story about how he, he like had this huge moral dilemma about somebody giving him this car, and what would people think about giving them, a, you know, he's driving like a brand new Cadillac, and I remember sitting in the back going, dude, just take the car. Like, I would drive that with no questions asked. Like, if people have problems with my Cadillac, they can take it up with somebody else. David Williams, Philosophy 101. I, th- I still have the book, actually, in my office up there. He said, uh, he said a lot of things that semester, but one thing he did say was uh, a quote from a philosopher with a, just a fantastic name. So if there's any ladies in the room who are pregnant, I often give you good ideas for names. So here it is. It's Heraclitus. Okay? Heraclitus. Heraclitus was a philosopher, and he was, you know, Plato uh, sort of in, in, the, in that sort of uh, time frame, right? And Heraclitus said, you can never step in the same river twice. So they're trying to figure out like the ground of being, the essence of, of what it means to be human, the building blocks of the universe. And he says, you can't step in the same river twice. Now, what does he mean by that? You can't step in the same river twice. Rivers, by nature, they're dynamic. They're always moving. Like, you can dam them up and stop them, but then they become something other than what they were. They're no longer what they are. They become something else if you change them. And so, in this way, while a river is a noun, because a noun is a person, place, or thing, so a river would qualify as a thing, in its character, in its essence, in its, like, and most importantly, how it's experienced as real, a river is a verb. It's always moving. It's always in action. It's always in motion. And when it stops doing that, it stops being what it is. Heraclitus, he's engaged in an existential and metaphysical conversation. And 
In saying that the same, you can't step in the same river twice, he's making this, this assertion that life is not static. You can't freeze or stop it. It's always in motion. It's always changing. It's always becoming what, we'll, what it will be in the next moment. And then that moment is lived, experienced, and it happens, and then it becomes what we call the past. And when it stops doing all of that, it ceases to be what it is. Life becomes death, right? In Exodus chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, real quickly, I want to just uh, read one small passage from Exodus chapter 3. This is Moses, and he's talking to Pharaoh, or he's about to go talk to Pharaoh. He's having a conversation with God, and in verse 11, he says this. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am, most of your translations will say. A better translation may in fact be, I will be what I will be. This is who you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. So Moses goes to God in a panic, and he says, God, um, what's your name? Like, listen, I'm about to go to the most powerful empire on the planet. I'm about to ask the most powerful guy, who's the leader of the most powerful empire on the planet, to ask the slaves upon whose back this powerful empire has been built upon to let them go. And let's just suppose he says, says who? A logical question when asked that, that, when that sort of proposition is made. Like, who am I to tell them has sent me? Because listen, this is, a big, this is a big deal. And if you pause for a moment and you think about this moment in the story of the Bible, or this story in the moment of the Exodus story, it's a huge moment in the Exodus story, but it's an even bigger moment in the scriptures. The one time in all of the Bible when God says, you can call me this, this is my name, what does he say? Or what does the writer say God is? I will be what I will be. If you look at this in the original language, it's the verb to be in like verb form. So God's name, while God is a noun, a person, place, or thing, a God is a thing, an entity, a being, and so would qualify as a noun, as far as God is experienced as real for you and for I, and according to all of the scripture and all the people who have testified to, the, to following and being in relationship with this God, God is experienced as real as a what? A verb. Something that's moving, acting, doing, be, like flowing. You can never step in the same river twice, Heraclitus said. Friends, as I come back from sabbatical, one of the things that's been impressed on me, if I have any word for this community as we sort of step into what might be next, I'm reminded of this quote, you can't step in the same river twice. You can't freeze life. You can't, I can't freeze or preserve this community at the moment when it was at its zenith, like its best. I can't do that. I can't uh, freeze or preserve my spouse in the marriage that we're in, in its best, like, in, in the highlight of it. You can't freeze your pastor or his or her heart or his or her sermon that they gave when they gave it and that it spoke to you. Like, you can't pause. You can't freeze it. You can't preserve it. We can't freeze or preserve God. 
When you freeze or preserve something, you put them in a museum because they're dead. I don't come back with a lot of answers, truth be told. But what I do come back with, and I know in the, the, like the bottom of my bones, is that there is invitation. You can't step in the same river twice. And if this river is moving, and God is a bit like this river, if I can anthropomorphize God for just a moment, it's always an invitation. And so where are we going? What will be? Where will we go? How will we get there? In some ways, I'm not sure. But in other ways, I know it is well and all will be well. I have always been faithful and you have everything you need and I will be with you is what I heard and where I lead from. And so as you think about, some of you have just like started coming here this summer and you're like, I wonder who this crazy guy is that everybody talks about. Well, it's me. Uh, and some of you are like, should I, should I stay or should I go now? Uh, like, is this, is this home? Is this, is this the place that I want? And some of you are like, is this still home? I, I want to extend an invitation to you. And the invitation is not to stasis. It's not to Awaken's best moment. It's not to my best sermon. It's not to Jenna's best sermon. You can't, you can't freeze John Mark either, just so you know. But it's to yes to the divine. It's yes to what God is inviting us to, which is to be people who experience the love of God, the, the, trans, the transforming power of God in our lives, and then to be ambassadors and reflectors of that love into the world that we find ourselves in, and to do that together as a community. And so my invitation to you as we maybe begin a new season is an invitation to step into the river of God's movement of love in the world, to say yes to that again. John Mark and I were having a beer this week, kind of reflecting on all, of, all that had happened, and he said, you know, I feel like this is... If I could put words in your mouth, Micah, it's a little bit like, like renewal of vows. And if every, if every good marriage relationship or relationship is renegotiated every seven years, well, here we are. And I come back to you, and while I don't have answers to a lot of questions, what I do know is yes. Will you? Yes. I will. And so I'm asking you, my friends, my brothers and sisters, the church that I've been honored enough to be a pastor at, will you go with me? Will you go with us into what God is inviting us into? Is it unknown? Yeah. Is it uncertain? Yeah. Do we know we're going to succeed? No. We're alive. And when we, when we stop feeling all of those things, pack it up and bury it because it's dead. I'm not dead, and I don't think this church is dead. So will you go with me? I remember when I was in sixth grade writing to Brenda, will you go out with me? So will you go out with me? That's all I've got. I guess, I guess the band comes back up or something like at the end here. Um, I think that's actually going to happen. So you guys can come on up. And I want to take just a moment to leave some room for silence uh, and for you to think about, uh, for you to consider, do you want to say yes to this river, this thing that God may be inviting you and us into as a community? Um, 
So let me pray, and I'll leave a moment for silence, and then we'll come to the table. God, this morning we gather again, and I'm so grateful for that. We we gather in the name of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, who came and lived and died and was resurrected and is now free and loose in the world, calling any and all to follow and be transformed by that love, which is what we know about you. And so God, in these next few moments of silence as we consider What does it mean to be a part of that? What does it mean to say yes to a community of people trying to do that and be that in the world? I pray that you would, by your spirit, be present, that you would speak to us, each of us, wherever we are, and invite us to whatever next steps may be. So Holy Spirit, come, speak to us. Find us online at www at awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.